been talking, making our way slowly through John chapter 8. It's a, a long uh, discourse by Jesus, which we've broken up into a, a couple of sections so that we can understand it and follow along with Jesus thinking here and learn from it. And we've seen that Jesus has uh, described himself most likely in the context of the, the events of the Feast of Tabernacles as the light of the world, uh, telling us that in him is life and joy and freedom and all that God has to offer in his goodness. But along with telling us that he is the light of the world and the, the life and the joy and the freedom that that brings, he has also told us to not believe Jesus is to walk in darkness uh, and given us those two very different places, the light and the dark. And so Jesus talks more about that darkness and what it means to be in darkness. And he explains more of this. He talks about, about death, a topic that uh, many people don't like to talk about. It's serious and it's uh, sober and, 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 and heavy very often. Um, but we need to talk about it and we need to see what Jesus says about this darkness. Um, years ago in the, the church I, I served in after I left here as a, uh, a young man, we were, that things were happening around us. We needed to put up a new sign along the road they were building next to us. And uh, we were talking with one of the men in the church and he suggested a sign for us to put up on the side of the road said, so when you're driving this way and you're coming towards the church, the sign will say, come to church, Jesus loves you. On the other side of the sign, if they've driven past us, in their rear view mirror, they'll see, okay, go to hell then. <laughs> we decided that probably wasn't the best sign to put up at the church and went with something different. Uh, but our passage today uh, obviously doesn't take it that trivially as we look at what Jesus says about darkness and death. So Jesus has told us so much about salvation and predominantly what he has told us about who he is and what he does has been very positive. Believe in me and there is life, there is freedom, there is joy, there is goodness, there is salvation. Here Jesus flips it and he turns the other way for us to see the negative side of salvation and what that means. That is, he doesn't tell us about the benefits of being saved like he has so often through his life, but rather he gives a very strong warning of what happens without him. What happens if there is no belief, if there is no salvation. Uh, I must admit that you know, I, I like to preach more positive, encouraging sermons, and that's usually what we like to hear most often, uh, hoping you know, that that positive, encouraging message of Jesus Christ will encourage us to follow and to believe. But here, Jesus gives us some hard words that we need to listen to, that we need to understand. Believer and unbeliever alike, we need to take the, the great gravity of these words and listen to the importance of what Jesus says. Now, if you miss anything, we're going to read this passage, and I'm going to tell you the key to it in just one moment. So let's read together from John chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 21, and we'll read through verse 30. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sin. 
Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time to come to your word. We pray that these serious words would settle in our hearts. Lord, if we are believers, that they would motivate us and stir us to the work before us that you've given us. May they fill within us a great heart of thankfulness for those that may be in unbelief this morning. We pray that these words from you would stir within them a desire to know the truth, to be set free, to be released from darkness and into light. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to give you an out here at the beginning. If you miss anything else I say this morning and you tune out and don't listen to a thing I say after these words, please let this statement burn in your minds and do not forget it. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear those words. Three times in this short passage, Jesus says those words. Verse 21 and twice in verse 24. Today we see the tragedy of rejecting Christ. The tragedy of darkness. And we begin as we consider this to see the darkness of unbelief. The darkness of unbelief, verse 21 and 22. So then Jesus again said unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sin. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. Here again, we see the Jews rejecting Christ, rejecting him and what he has to offer. And as Jesus shows, they continue to seek a deliverer. They've been looking for the Messiah, and Jesus has been telling them that he is the Messiah, but they continue to look to seek that deliverer. And here in these short words, Jesus alludes to and speaks very briefly about his ascension into heaven, saying when he is gone, they will still look for the Messiah. They will still be seeking him and looking for the one, their, their deliverer. He came to them, and they didn't recognize him. And Jesus is right. He left, and we are still looking for a deliverer. The world is still looking for someone who will give them hope and rescue them from the tragedies of this life. 
looking for deliverance from oppression, from deliverance from tyranny, from wickedness. We're looking for somebody to rescue us from the pressure and from this dying earth that we live in. We're looking for someone to deliver us from guilt and from emptiness that we have as we live in this world and in this life. And just like the Jews on this day, in our search, most have overlooked Jesus. Looking for someone to take away all of the pain and all of the trouble. And Jesus says, I was here and you didn't see me. And I went and you're still looking for me, even though I was right before you. We keep looking, but the deliverer has already come. He has come. And because of their rejection, and they seek him, they die because of their rejection. Verse 21 can be, uh, it's not tricky, but it's, it's, so he says there in verse 21, and shall die in your sin. Some of you may have sins. It should be singular. Don't worry, that doesn't affect anything because verse 24, it's plural. So he's covering everything. Okay, so some of you will have sin. Some of you will have sins. The most likely is singular. And let me explain why. Why it's singular in verse 21 and plural in verse 24. Often, the singular use of sin in the Bible speaks of our sin nature. You say when we speak about sin, it's about what resides inside us. And when we speak about the plural, we usually speak about what we do, the sins, the actions that we do. But here, as Jesus speaks about dying in our sin, it seems that Jesus has in mind one particular aspect of sin. And that seems to come out in the way he describes it and speaks to them here, in the aspect of our sin nature. The characteristic that most clearly manifests itself from sin, the, the, the character of nature that most clearly defines what sin is, and that is unbelief. That seems to be, here at the beginning, what Jesus is pinpointing at the start. If you reject me, you will die in your unbelief. You will die in darkness. Unbelief, you know, many people talk about the unforgivable sin and wonder what that is. It's unbelief. The only sin that cannot be forgiven is unbelief. Not believing in Jesus Christ as Savior. It's the sin that condemns us all. It's the sin that leads to death. It is the sin that afflicts every single person. Unbelief. Romans 5, Paul writes to us and says, And death spread to all men because all sinned. It is something that inflicts, afflicts all of us. Though our sins are many, our sin is singular. Unbelief. Rejecting the God who can save us. Unbelief isn't just an unwillingness. So when we talk about unbelief, it's not a passive thing where it's just an unwillingness to believe. Unbelief is a resistance to believe. It is a choice I make not to believe God, which is why Jesus tells us before in John chapter 3 and verse 18 that we are condemned already. Why are we condemned already? Because we have not believed in him. Unbelief is what dooms us. Unbelief is what condemns us. Unbelief is what leaves us forever in darkness. Which means, in unbelief, 
we will not go to heaven. To reject Jesus is to reject life. Without Jesus, there is no glorious afterlife. There is no heaven without Jesus. And there's no other alternative. There's no nirvana. There's no paradise or whatever you're looking for. There is no glorious afterlife of any kind without Jesus. Jesus is the only one that leads to life. There is no other way. Outside of Jesus, there is only death. And that is all there is. In him is light. Outside of him, darkness. This is what Jesus is trying to bring across to our minds to get us to understand so importantly. And we're rejecting Christ and we reject Christ by relying on our own goodness, by relying on our own self-righteousness. Listen, as Jesus says here, he ends this uh, verse 21. Our verse 21 ends with, whither I go, you cannot come. You cannot come. There is separation. See, the tragic end of rejecting Jesus is separation from God. There are no other ways to God. There is no other way to know God. There is no other way to be united with God. Jesus tells us very clearly, we cannot go where he has gone without him. Where Christ is, where Christ is right now, sitting in the heavenlies, in unbelief, we cannot go. The unbeliever will never see heaven. And as appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. And just like the Jews, so many of us in this world think, surely we won't go to hell. Surely this can't be true. Surely there is more. And so the Jews, when Jesus says this to them, says, you shall die in your sin, and where I'm going you cannot go, the Jews arrogantly mock him again. So verse 22, then the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he said, where I go you cannot come tragic end of rejecting him, of course, is that separation from God. People haven't changed. People are still mocking Jesus. People are still mocking the claims of Jesus, thinking that he's, he's just nothing. The Pharisees here are accusing Jesus of suicide. Now, to the Jews, their tradition told them that the great depths of hell were reserved for those who committed suicide. Now, just a side note, that is not true. The Bible does not say that. He isn't for suicide this morning, but the Bible does not say that. That was the tradition of the Jews. So by implication, what the Jews are saying when they say he's going to kill himself is Jesus is going to the great depths of hell. And of course, we won't be there. So of course, where he's going, we can't go. The arrogance of their statement. They're assuming that they will be in heaven because of what they've done and who they are. Again, their hope of heaven is based on their own sense of goodness, on their own self-righteousness. But our goodness isn't perfect, which means our goodness is not good enough. 
Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, showing us the darkness of unbelief, Jesus then exposes us to the dark destiny of rejecting Jesus. The dark destiny of rejecting Jesus. Revealing to us that we and him are realms apart. We are realms apart from each other. Jesus is heavenly. Verse 23, and he said unto them, you are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. So Jesus ignores the ridicule. Their, their arrogance of verse 22 where they talk about him, he, he just ignores it. He doesn't address it with anything. It's silliness to him, so he doesn't address it. And he talks more about what he means and pointing them more deeply to the truth of what he's trying to explain. The origin and the destiny of Jesus and the Jews, well, of people as a whole, are different. Jesus is God in the flesh. This has been a major part of what the Gospel of John has shown us. He is from heaven. He is eternal. When Jesus told us that he is the light of the world, we saw what he meant by that, that he is pure, he is right, he is holy, he is just. He is eternal. And because he is eternal, he can speak of eternal things. Because he knows where they are. And while Jesus is heavenly, he tells us, we, we are worldly. We are temporal and, and earthly. Jesus isn't of this world. He is outside of it. We, we are of this world. We're finite. We're temporal. We're bound in this world. And what that means, not only does it mean that we're finite and temporal, but because we are bound to this world, because we are of this world, it means we are corrupted just like this world. We live in corruption. The way of the world is contrary to the way of God. While he is light and life and joy and forgiveness and goodness and purity and holiness, we are selfish and envious and corrupt and phony and fickle. James tells us, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so the, the Bible is very clear. To be an unbelief and to live in a way that, that is opposite to Jesus doesn't just make us indifferent to Jesus. It makes us his enemy in complete opposition to him. To live by the ways of the world is to live in opposition to God. And the way of the world and the way of God have two very, very different outcomes. And Jesus tells us that these two ways, which are realms apart, have very different outcomes, and to reject him brings death. Rejection brings death. This is the tragedy of rejecting Christ and so, verse 24, he emphasizes it for us yet again. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Just in case you didn't understand the seriousness of this. 
Just in case you didn't get what Jesus is trying to put across, he emphasizes it. He said at the beginning, and he says it two more times, you will die in your sins. This time, as we noted before, this is plural. We die because we sin. Unbelief, as I said, isn't just a neutral state. Unbelief is an active state of rebellion against God. And so our belief or our unbelief leads us to live in ways that are rebellious to God. Because I don't want to believe him, I will not live the way he wants me to live. And so my sin of unbelief is expressed in my sins of unbelief. I live in rejection to him because our actions show our nature. What we do, the way we speak, the way we talk, that everything that comes out of us reveals what's inside of us. Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus tells us that our lies, our evil thoughts, all of those things come from our heart. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that at the time you were enemies without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Not just acquainted with God, not indifferent to God, without him, without him. In this state, we have no hope of life. We have no hope of God. And as hard and as harsh as these words are, we are still offered a small glimpse of hope here. That this tragedy can be avoided. That the tragedy of darkness and the horror of unbelief can be avoided. Jesus' message has always been the same from beginning to end. It was the same message that John the Baptist preached before him and pointed to Jesus, and Jesus took on and preached that same message, and that is, if you don't believe, there is death, and if you do believe, there is life. From the beginning, Jesus' message has been, repent. Repent. Now, I want you to notice something that Jesus says here in verse 24. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Do you see the difference those two words for if make? It makes a huge difference. For if ye believe not or unless you believe, you will die in your sins. That is the glimmer of hope. That if is pure gospel combined with warning. That is, in unbelief, you will die. But if you believe, you will live. There is still a way to avoid the tragedy of death. One commentator I read on this gives such a glorious phrase in this regard. He says, if opens the door of life in the wall of sin. Salvation can come through Jesus, through him alone. Unwillingness to believe Jesus 
means there is no possibility of forgiveness. There is no possibility of life unless you believe Jesus for who he is. Believer, our message, our life as believers, our mission as believers hinges on that if. We're here to preach that if. You will die in your sins, but if you believe, you will be forgiven. That sin that separates you from God, that condemns you to death, can be forgiven. It can be washed away. It can be forgiven. It can be forgotten forever. Christ came not to condemn us, he says, but to free us from sin, to die for our sin. He was buried and he rose again that he could give us life. And so as Paul says to the Philippian jailer and to his family, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Or as Titus, or Paul says to Titus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar or a special people zealous of good works. We must believe what the Bible says about Jesus. We must believe that he is I am, that he is God, and that he is the Savior. Because in Jesus, the darkness can be lifted. The darkness is lifted by belief in Jesus. Then said Jesus in verse 25 unto him, Or then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say to you and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that hath sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do all those things that please him. Jesus here, as he comes and he speaks to this this truth, he is revealing the true Father. It's the same message he's been giving all along. The Pharisees again say to him, who are you? Tell us who you are. Because who do you think you are to tell us what to do? You have no authority over us. Jesus doesn't change that, and his message still hasn't changed. He says, I speak for the Father, the one you claim to believe. Jesus came to reveal God, to reveal his salvation, to communicate to us who God is. To communicate to us not only who God is, but who we are and why that matters. He came to bring us to repentance so that we could have restoration to that God. And in revealing the Father, and in doing what the Father has asked him to do, he will reveal the Son, the true identity of the Son of God. And how will that happen? How do we know who he is? And how do we know that who he says he is is true and right and good? How do we know that Jesus is God? 
that he is the way of life. And Jesus answers, he says, who, who, who are you to tell us what to do? And he says, I came to do the will of the Father, and you will know I am right when I hang on the cross. The cross is the proof that Jesus is everything he said he was. They will know when they hung him on the cross that he was the Son of God. Jesus willingly laid down his life to pay for our sin. The cross reveals the Savior. The cross shows us that Jesus is not just a man. It shows that he is the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Savior. The cross shows the glorious love of God. When we understand that without him we will die in our sins, his sacrifice is far more glorious. The resurrection then declares him to be the son of God with power. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. His ascension then made way for the Holy Spirit to come and to empower his people and to convict the world of sin. The cross reveals the Savior, and in that Savior, the cross reveals the salvation that he brought. The cross proved that Jesus was all he said he was. When Jesus was lifted up, the world saw the Savior. On the cross, he was lifted up to die for you, to die for your sins. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 means when it says, And he who knew no sin was made to be sin. It is Jesus knew no sin, but the Father attributed all of your sin to him. He bore it for you that we might have not our own righteousness, but his, the great divine trait. God takes my sin and gives me his righteousness. This is the glory of the cross. And at the ascension, which he has alluded to in these words, he was lifted up to intercede for you and me. The results of Jesus' words here, as he spake these words, many believed on him. They believe that he is the light of the world. They believe that he was from the Father. They believe that he saves from sin. They believed that Jesus was telling the truth. My role here today is simply that, to relay to you the words of Jesus. These words that I said at the beginning, and I said, do not forget these. And genuinely, if you hear nothing I have said in the last half an hour, hear again these words. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Hear his words. Believe that he is who he says he is. Ask him for forgiveness. And turn from your life to follow him. If you turn from your unbelief, he will give you life. 
He has promised so. Let's pray again. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in great humbleness and thankfulness. We come before you as believers, humbled that you have taken our sin and you have given us life. Thankful for the forgiveness and the abundant blessings that you have poured into us because you have delivered us through the Son. And this morning, as we believers sit together, our prayer is not only one of thankfulness, but of pleading for those around us that need to know you as Savior. Lord, may they hear your words. May they heed the warning that if we do not change, if we continue to pursue our own way and live in opposition to you, there is only darkness. There is only death. May your spirit be at work amongst us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.